Hey folks, welcome to Stop, Start, Do, where we talk about habits for elite performance. And I'm excited because the person who I'm interviewing today perfectly fits that mold. I'm interviewing Sir John Hargrave, who is the CEO of Media Shower. We're actually going to be talking about his soon-to-be-released book, Mind Hacking. His book is about how you would go through the process of reprogramming your brain exactly like a computer. So for many of us, we are faced with negative thought patterns that just bombard us and really get in the way throughout the course of our day. They don't actually serve a good purpose. I know for me, I'm constantly surrounded by these feelings that I'm a fraud or that I'm not the right person for the job or that there's someone else out there that would be better for the work that I'm doing. And his book really outlines how you'd go through the process of figuring out what they are, why they're there, eliminating them, and then replacing them with new empowering thoughts. In the interview, we talk about growing up in the computer revolution, how he overcame his addiction to alcohol using the strategies that he outlines in the book, and how he almost got arrested by the Secret Service. If you go to mindhacky.ng, you can download the book for free, and if you get the EPUB version, you can just make notes into it right away. I downloaded the book, and I actually read it in one sitting. One thing that I love about John's work is that he was uh, in comedy before this, so his his, his writing is actually both funny and informative. It's infotainment, it's edutainment, you're gonna love it. Go there, check it out. If you'd like to stay up to date with what we're doing at Stop, Start, Do, go to stopstartdo.com. Sign up for the email list there. That's the best way to stay up to date with everything that we are putting out. So, with no further ado, here is Sir John Hargrave. Hey guys, what's up? This is Ben from the Stop, Start, Do podcast. Today on the show, I've got John Hargrave, and we're going to talk about mind hacking. So John, how's it going? Good, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Likewise. Thanks for being on the show. So uh, we're going to start this out real easy. Uh, why don't you tell us what your childhood was like? <laughs> My, just real easy. Start, take just it from the beginning. Take it from the beginning. What was it like when you grew up? Is that what you're saying? I had a nice childhood, thank you. I had a nice childhood, but I'll tell you the highlight of my childhood was coming of age during the personal computer revolution, Ben, because mm. I had the Commodore 64. Ooh. I don't know how old you are, but the Commodore 64, if you had one, it was the bomb. And I had one <laughs> in my bedroom with me. And I love that thing so much. I would have like cuddled up with that at night like a plush. If it, it had a lot of sharp angular edges, but if it had been softer and padded and made of felt, I would have literally gone to sleep with it, caressing it. I love that computer so much. And it's that love of technology that I grew up with that has served me well, not as a geek, but also in developing a lot of the habits and, and practices that we're mm. going to talk about today. Awesome. I actually had one of the original green screen Mac computers. So yeah. the Commodore was a little bit before my time, but I definitely had the green screen, which was awesome. And then, of course, the black and white Mac to follow that one up. Yeah, so you had the Apple II. Yeah, I'm forgetting what the models are, but that must have been at the Apple II, yeah. Yeah, or one of the two variants, like the 2C or the 2E. I remember them all. They were great. Yeah, you know it a lot more than I do. For me, when I was younger, <laughs> it was just this thing that I mashed the keyboard on and played some games on. But I remember the first time I saw the black and white Mac, my friend's dad had one. And it was mind-blowing. I mean, it was revolutionary. But at the same time, I remember thinking, 
that is so impractical. Like, it's just like there's only one mouse button. <laughs> they left so much stuff off of it. And it's like, and they have all this stuff with fonts. Like, no, who needs fonts? Right. And there's all this, like, there's a paint program, but it's all black and white. So you can't even paint. You paint in pattern. Like, I remember thinking, it's, it's cool, but just sort of impractical. Yeah, there was just a huge novelty to it, which is why people liked it. But even then, they were priced pretty, pretty high, and most people couldn't even afford them. Yeah, it was an expensive toy. Yeah. All right. So we are here to talk about mind hacking and your book, which is also called Mind Hacking. So um, I'm really curious because you got a book deal out of this. What was it like for you to get a book deal? Well, we this is my third book, actually. And we had a really interesting idea for this. So I went to Simon & Schuster and I, I pitched them on this idea that we could do a crowdsourced book. We could do an open source book. And the idea is that because this is a book for geeks, it's like a self-help book uh, <laughs> for technology lovers, for geeks like me. And me. Um, that, that we could put this out there and give it away for free. And that's the kind of thing that sounds like what you say, like open source or crowdsourcing. In a pitch meeting, people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you come back like three months later and you're like, no, we're actually going to give the book away for free. <laughs> Remember when we talked about that part and they're like, wait, 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 wait what? Wait, we're how do, do we make money in this process? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My editor has a really funny line. He says, times were tough growing up. My father was a Wikipedia salesman. <laughs> so the point here is, how are they going to make money if we give it away for free? But I have to give them credit that they've really taken a big risk and a leap in giving this away for free. So you can actually download the book at mindhacky.ng, the complete book, mm -hmm. and it won't hit bookshelves until January 2016, the print version of the book. The print version of the book is going to be awesome. I mean, it looks beautiful, and it's going to be worth buying, but you can still get the content now, which is a really cool experiment and very brave on Simon & Schuster's part. Yeah, no kidding. When I saw the huge name Simon & Schuster next to the book, I was like, oh, wow, this is really going to be something really cool. I I, I was kind of blown away. I had no idea that it was going to be this big. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. The book looks great, too. That's great. I'm, I'll be first in line to buy it. So uh, let's talk about some of the content that's in your book. And I had a chance to go through it over this past weekend. Uh, you mentioned in the book that you struggled with uh, being an alcoholic and also having an addiction to marijuana. Could you take us through the time when you realized that it was actually a problem and not just something that you did? Yeah, yeah. So that's how the book starts out is with my personal story. And uh, for me, the moment, many alcoholics and addicts have a moment. <laughs> right. When they realize things have kind of gone off the rails, I was visited by the Secret Service. Who as came as all alcoholics and uh, marijuana users are, right? Yes, that's <laughs> right. So when the Secret Service visits your house, you start to think, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I need to make a few course corrections here in the old life plan. So um, my first mind hack was actually that evening as I decided I was going to throw away all my alcohol and drugs all into a garbage dumpster. Mm -hmm. And it was the most difficult thing I'd ever done. And the only way I was able to do it was pulling kind of a hack or a trick on my own mind, basically saying, I'm only going to just focus on the muscle movement of throwing mm -hmm. these things into this garbage dumpster. In other words, I cannot allow my mind to think about the long-term consequences because my mind was saying, you will never have fun again. 
Right. This is the end of your life as you know it. This is the worst thing to possibly do. And if I had listened to that, I, I wouldn't have had the courage to go through with it. But by concentrating on that muscle memory, you know, it's a little bit like getting on a roller coaster. If you focus on how you're going to feel, you might not have the courage to do it. But if you just sort of look down at the <laughs> ground, take the next step, like just focus on the muscle movement and getting in the car, you can sometimes go through with it. And that's what it was like. So that was sort of the first mind hack. But over the, the following months, as I really, um, as I as I learned to become sober, I developed uh, a whole series of these mind hacks. And it's those hacks that are um, put together in this book that I'm really passionate about sharing people, not just folks who are struggling with addiction, but anyone who wants to correct their problem thinking and, and think better and have better outcomes in their life. Yeah, no, that's something that's really important. And I mean, you're, you're going through that story, but most people don't realize this was thousands of dollars of alcohol, correct? I mean, this was an entire <laughs> yeah. lifetime of storage. And for someone who really got a lot of pain and pleasure out of it, I mean, that must have just been, a, 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 I, I can't even imagine the amount of pain you were facing just trying to push through getting through that. But, you know, you said you were able to do your first mind hack, so to speak. Yeah, I had enough liquor to tranquilize a certain <laughs> Oh, so you were actually drunk at the time. <laughs> no, no, just uh, the amount of oh, okay. alcohol that I had to throw away could have uh, sedated a, a small zoo. Gotcha. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about what happened shortly after that, because most people don't go from, you know, I have a problem right now to I immediately know what the solution was. How did you, you know go about the process of figuring out what to do next? Well, I did a lot of reading and, you know, in the book, there's a whole section on uh, collaboration. And one of the big things was I reached out to other people. And I think that, you know, the focus of your, your website and podcast is stop, start, do. Mm -hmm. Part of doing is you have to connect with other people who want to do the same thing as you do. You have to reach out. Right. One of the first things I did was called my friend, Mike, who uh, recovering alcoholic and he uh, he immediately said, "Great, let's get you to a twelve step meeting." Mm -hmm. And and I I don't know what I was expecting when I called him, but I wasn't expecting that. And mm -hmm. I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's let's slow down here, Mike." <laughs> <laughs> were, were you still at the point where you thought you didn't quite have a problem, or you were just you know you were just trying to get rid of the booze and the weed, and then trying to move on to the next thing? I think you are perpetually in that place or in danger of going back to that place where you think you don't have a problem. Mm. And even today, and one of the reasons that those of us who are in recovery still try to hang out around other recovering alcoholics is to remind ourselves that's where we come from. So we don't fool ourselves into thinking, oh, I can handle it now. Yeah. Well, really, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, well, there's this huge draw to sort of get pulled back into the status quo, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. most people go out and they have a few drinks and, you know, it's just, it's fine and they're okay with it. But, you know, you really need to be around people who support you. And that's something that I've implemented in my life, you know, with various mastermind groups and people that are doing similar things to me, just so that I can have the support structure around me to continue pushing and growing. Because otherwise, it's so easy just to say... Eh, you know what, I'm going to just watch TV tonight and have a beer. Like, it's just, it's it's so much easier to do that. But, you know, you really need that support group in place. Yeah, that's exactly it, Ben. So mastermind groups, um, 
you know, if you're trying to lose weight, joining a weight loss support group or Weight Watchers, or if you're trying to learn a foreign language, that you go hang out with groups that right. speak the language. It's all about that collaboration. You will be infinitely more successful. All the research shows this if you are actively participating with other people who share the same goal. It keeps you accountable. Yeah, absolutely. And I also find that teaching it to other people so when you learn a new skill or when you're learning something new and then walking through the process of talking that through with someone else, it almost makes it even more real in your mind. And then you yeah. play those conversations later and you sort of almost trick your brain into like thinking you did it again and again in the future. That is so true. When you teach it, then you really know it. You really understand it once you've broken it down that way. And again, in 12-step groups, there's this tradition of being a sponsor, helping out other people, or just getting sober. It's the same thing. It's like when you teach it to somebody else, you know. And also, you're more accountable at that point, because now you're the one who other people are looking up to. Yeah. And okay, so earlier, you'd mentioned you'd read a couple of books that got you going. Could you describe what those were? Oh, there's so many. But uh, one of my favorites uh, is called uh, The Autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. It's Ben oh, Franklin. Oh, I love Ben Franklin. Yeah. Autobiography. I fell in love with this book, too. And um, so, so quickly, the Mind Hacking Program, it's, it's all about reprogramming your brain. And that's the premise is your brain can be reprogrammed. And basically, it is a, uh, there are three parts to this process. The first part is becoming aware of your mind, what your mind is always thinking. The second is identifying the negative thought loops, the thought habits. And then the third is reprogramming those with more positive thought loops to push your life in the direction that you want to go. And the Franklin book was so helpful because he really created the science of self-improvement. So for one of the things he did was he had a list of the virtues that he wanted to live out in his life. And he carried around a little notebook. And in the notebook, he wrote down each of these virtues. And he would track himself on it every day. It was uh, the quantified self before that was even a thing. Right. And over the course of a lifetime, he found, first of all, that he was much less of a virtuous person than he thought he was <laughs> at the beginning. But As second. Yeah, exactly. But he also found that he was able to make improvement by measuring it and writing it down. Hmm. So there's a lot of that in the book of, of not only identifying the positive loops, the, the, the virtues or the qualities or the goals that you want to achieve, but tracking them in a measurable way and getting those, those habits of thought and of action in your life that will drive you toward those goals, specific hacks or techniques you can do to accomplish those things. Yeah, would you like to dive into any, any of those if you've got them on the top of your head? Yeah, well, the first one is, uh, we, we have a series of mind games, we call them, and these are easy exercises that anybody can play. And the first step, as I said, is to become aware of your mind. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, a, it's a game called, what was my mind just thinking? That's it. <laughs> That's it. So for the whole day, for 24 hours, you try to ask yourself as many times as possible, what was my mind just thinking? And every time you remember to do that, you award yourself a point. You gamify it. So uh, we call them awareness points. And it's easy to do for the first hour, but then it becomes incredibly and surprisingly difficult to remember to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because we are really... Um, 
we're, we get very caught up in our minds, Ben, and I like to use the analogy of a movie theater. You know, when you go into a movie, and if you're a movie geek like me, at the beginning, the first part of the movie, you're analyzing the cinematography and the titles and all that. But if it's good, then after, you know, half an hour, you're like in the movie. You are one. You're identified. <laughs> you forget you're watching a movie. Right. And our minds are like that. We're all day long. We are so into our minds and so tightly identified with them that we forget to step back from the mind and say, wait a minute, I, I, I actually am in control of my mind. I separate from my mind, right? If you just think about the fact that you have a mind, you'll understand there is a you and then there is something called a mind. But when we get too tight into the mind, we forget to question the things our minds are telling us. Right. So this game of what was my mind just thinking is a great way of, of learning to step back. Yeah, it also shocks you the first time you do it because you realize how much of a monkey mind you actually have. You know, yeah. you realize how unconnected and uncorrelated most of your thoughts are. And it, it, I don't know, it's almost kind of shocking when you actually sit back and actually do that. It is. It is. I call it the disobedient dog. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, my, my wife had this German shepherd who, uh, we think might have been like inbred or something. And the dog was out of control, just crazy. And you would take this dog Cassie for, for a walk out in the street. And it, it was literally, she would pull you down the street. She would wrap herself around trees. She would attack children. It was crazy. So finally didn't know what to do with Cassie. They sent her away to live on a farm somewhere, and the story is that they they opened the door of the truck to let her go out and run, and she ran off into the sunset, and they never saw her. <laughs> she had the uh, the rage virus from uh, <laughs> uh, what was that the zombie movie the uh, um, the day after tomorrow, whatever that was. Yeah, 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 exactly. She was a zombie dog. She was a zombie dog. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, if I'm a person, the first thing I should be doing is doing this awareness game. From there, let's say, like, I've got a big goal that I want to achieve, you know. I want to become the next president of the United States, the next astronaut, you know, some sort of big thing that I have in mind. What sort of strategies would I use to start making myself, you know, get to that level, start getting there, like start actually achieving or working towards those goals, I should say? Right. Well, the first... Uh, so after you've, after you've gained that awareness of the mind, you need to start asking, well, why am I not there yet? Mm. In other words, what's holding me back? And most of mm. us usually have something there that is at the root. Either we feel like we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, we, uh, you know, we procrastinate. Uh, whatever that excuse or negative thought loop is, we really want to try to debug that. So... The whole idea behind mind hacking is we're looking at the mind as a computer. We're looking at it as a technology. And just like a programmer or a developer is able to debug a code and find the problems in the code and then rewrite it, mm -hmm. we want to debug our own thought loops. So we have a number of different techniques in the mind hacking book of how to debug those negative thought loops that are holding you back from getting to those goals that you want to get to. Um, so uh, one of these is called 
the five whys and it's mm -hmm. taken from a manufacturing technique where if you have a factory and some something some catastrophic failure happens in the factory you don't just blame the worker who was on the assembly line that day you ask the question why five times and so you try to keep going back and pulling it back to its root causes and by doing that you can figure out where the problem really needs to be changed. And in our minds, we can do the same thing. Keep asking right. why. Well, I'm not, you know, I haven't accomplished this goal. Well, why? Because I'm procrastinating. Well, why? Because I'm afraid I can't get anything done to the level of perfection that I want to. Well, why? Because <laughs> I, and you keep tracing that back until you get to something that you can actually articulate and then rewrite that thought loop in your mind. So you just have them that you use the why, why, why technique. Have you ever experimented with um, whenever you have a negative thought or a negative thought loop pattern, you can attach all sorts of crazy sounds, voices, colors, make those thoughts sort of, um, you can step back from there. So one thing that I'll do is when I find myself getting into a pity party or, you know, I'm, I'm uh, really getting into a victim mindset. Yeah. I'll start using the voices from Cartman or like from South Park and use Cartman's voice to <laughs> and I put those into all those thoughts that I'm having. So like I just use the Cartman and the South Park voices in my head and that just allows me to just start laughing about it because it's just no longer that big of a deal. So that, that's interesting. I've not heard that one, but that's a great mind hack. So basically you take this negative thought and then you almost make a caricature of it. Is that oh, right? Oh yeah. So like most days I wake up and I'm just tired. I'm like, I don't really want to get out of bed. You know, I'm, I'm tired. I don't really want to do anything. And like I start, you know, saying, Oh, I don't want to get out of bed today. And like, I just say, you know, repeat those back to myself. And then sure enough, I just start laughing. I'm like, you're an idiot, dude, just get out of bed and let's just go. And, it's just things like that that have really helped me push through those moments where maybe I would have said, oh, you know what? I'm really tired. I should rest today. Yeah, that's great. So that's a perfect example. First of all, you becoming aware of your mind, becoming aware of your negative thought patterns, and then finding a way to deal with those in a positive way. Um, that's a great hack. I'm going to have to use that somewhere. I will credit you. <laughs> we'll call it the Cartman technique. The, the Cartman technique, yeah. I don't know if I came up with it. I actually read an, an NLP book, you know, say 10 years ago, and that's just a variation of something I learned in an NLP book. Can you imagine they're going to have like some, you know, formal like psychology paper in the future and <laughs> say, well, the Cartman technique was pioneered, and it's going to sound like it was named after some German neurophysicist. Or right, something. yeah, and it's just going to be the Cartman from it's South actually Park. actually Cartman. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And it, it's strange because it works, and that's, you know, people think that this is silly, and they may think it sounds weird, but when you actually try these techniques, they really work. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. So, okay, from there, we've... Um, we started to think about the why question. Um, is there another thing that you would suggest for someone who's got a big goal in mind? Something that they really want to achieve and they're just struggling with, um, you know, say like imposter syndrome. They just feel like they can't get there because you know they're not good enough at it yet or they're not the right person for the job. Yeah, and there are many techniques and hacks in the book to deal with this, but I'll, I'll bring one. One of my favorites is the reality distortion field. Mm, the and there's jobs. lots, yeah, right. So there's lots of uh, stories of 
my favorite geek heroes throughout the book, and one of those is Steve Jobs. And um, the folks who used to work with him said that he has a reality distortion field. Mm-hmm. And what they meant by that was when they go into a meeting, Jobs would say, uh, you know, we got to ship this software. How long is it going to take? They would say, it's going to take six months. And he goes, you got two months. <laughs> You can't do it in two months. He go, you have to do it in two months. And then he would just like talk and talk and talk. And he would create a reality distortion field Mm -hmm. so that they would all become convinced that it could in fact be done in two months. Now, these were veteran software developers who were all telling the story. These were not like woo-woo weirdos. Right. And they said it was so strong that we actually discussed how we could shield ourselves from its influence. They weren't like using a humorous analogy. They were literally saying when they were in his presence, reality was malleable. Right. And I think Jobs had this power to convince himself and everyone else that this type of thing was possible, that what they thought was not possible, in fact, was. Right. We all possess that capability within us, Ben. And the famous saying, fake it till you make it, is a good example of this, where if you convince yourself that you are good enough or you can accomplish that goal or you are the person you want to be, over time, as you practice that, if you practice imagining yourself to be that person, then you will become that person. So one quick story, example from my own life is I used to be not very good with people. So when I'd be talking with people, I would always like be obsessing over whether I was standing up straight or whether I had like a sesame seed in my teeth. <laughs> I think that's something that all nerds go through at some point in time. Yeah. And so I started to tell myself, listen, I am good with people. I am good with people. Mm-hmm. I was telling myself that didn't make it happen overnight. But whenever I felt my mind going back to that like self-consciousness, that awkwardness around talking with people, I would just repeat that to myself. Oh, you're good with people. You're good right. with people. Just like training that dog. And over time, doing that hundreds and thousands of times, I got to a point where, yeah, I actually am kind of good with people now. So it works. Yeah, I would say so for a guy who's done a couple of pretty big companies and one of the original website comedy um, websites from the the mid '90s. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Indeed. Yeah. All right. So, nope, you still there? I'm kind of breaking up a little bit. I'm here. Okay, so I did have a few other questions from listeners, and um, if you're okay, I'd like to jump into those. Let's do it. Yeah, okay. So I do have one listener who mentioned, he saw your story, and he is also struggling with alcoholism. Yeah. And um, he would like some tips, some tricks, some resources just to get started, to get over the hump, to get to that, um, the, the greener pastures, so to speak. Yeah, go to a meeting, go to a meeting, find a 12 step group and go to a meeting. And, and, you know, as alcoholics, we're very resistant to doing that because we feel that we can do it ourselves. (laughs) 
And if you have tried to do it yourself and you have been unable to do it, that's a pretty good sign that you can't do it yourself. And getting to the point where you recognize that you can't do it yourself, that you have to collaborate with other people is an absolutely critical step to achieving that goal. And people are also afraid that, well, if I go, then I've got to you know, admit that I'm an alcoholic, and then I really do have a problem. Well, you probably do. Right. <laughs> you probably do, but it's also not binding. You don't have to make it a lifetime commitment at that moment. You can go check it out and try it out and see if it works for you. Um, but you will probably need help in one form or another, and that just happens to be uh, a free, easy, accessible, and effective way of going about it. Hmm. I think that that's a, I love that. That's a very great and simple solution. Just go to a meeting, get started, and you know, just take the first step from there. All right. So I want to be respectful of your time. So I'm going to wrap things up. What's uh, what's your big goal for the next few years? What is it that? Wait, you wait a minute. That was all the questions from listeners. I thought we had like. I thought there would be more than one. Did we have others or no? We had one question from a listener. I threw it out to the list and I got one back. Okay. <laughs> I, I could answer it a different way too, if you'd like. <laughs> let's make up questions from listeners. Sure. We can make up some questions from listeners. That would be good. What's your favorite type of ham? Mm. Well, I don't <laughs> eat ham, but I did buy a honey baked ham recently for a party and i was told it was delicious <laughs> is this adding any value at all to your podcast it certainly could i, mean, I think they would listeners would appreciate your taste in ham <laughs> next next time I, they'll I, ask a few more questions though i'll bet you that much i bet they will yeah that was the one question i had um yeah let's talk about you know what's next for you what's next on your horizon well, I am really excited about this new app that we have developed for the Mind Hacking program. So if you go to the website at mindhacky.ng, mm -hmm. it's like Mind Hacking, but without the .coms, mindhacky.ng, your listeners are smart, they're going to figure it out. When you go there, you will see that we have an app, and the app takes you through this 21-day program that we have developed for Mind Hacking. So you can actually learn the skills and habits and techniques of mind hacking. We are actively building out this app to include guided audio sessions each day. So you can basically just listen to a sound file where we walk you through the exercises for the day, explain the theory and the techniques behind it. And uh, it's really exciting. It's like a lynda.com for learning to hack your own mind. Hmm like a Khan Academy for the brain. And uh, I'm just so excited to see all the people using it, all the beta testers that we have in there and want to invite your listeners to do the same. I think they'll, they'll get a lot of useful tips out of it. Awesome. Yeah. I will definitely put a link in the show notes for that as well. All right. So John, thank you so much for being on the show. You can reach him at mindhacky.ng. Would you like to plug a Twitter handle or anything else? <laughs> I'm at Sir John Hargrave. Sir John Hargrave. All right. Yeah. Thank you, John, and uh, talk to you next time. Thanks, Ben. Have a good one.